Greetings and felicitations. Welcome. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Welcome back. Today are the Chronicles for Saturday, September the 5th, 2020. Well, it's been, uh, the year's almost over and it's been quite a hell of a year. But let me get you caught up, okay? Um, the country is on fire, literally. Uh, there are hundreds of square acres of forest land and homes being burned in northern and southern California. There are still fires burning in, in anger in Portland, in Seattle, in, in Washington, D.C., in uh, Chicago, in Kenosha, in Minneapolis. The turmoil does not end. And we are getting closer and closer, less than 60 days to the national election, where we will decide our future, whether we go with Trump for another four years or if we're going to try a a new beginning with uh, Joe Biden, as I bite my tongue when I say that. Uh, I don't mince words. You know my politics. You know which way I lean. Uh, I am a staunch conservative. I do have, I will listen to you if you're a liberal. I will listen to your side because I want to understand where you're coming from. But you also have to give me my due when it's my time to talk and let me speak and listen to me because I may say something you don't know. Now, I want to talk about, uh, originally this is what I was going to talk about. Do you know what the seven deadly sins are? I looked them up. Uh, Pride, envy, gluttony, uh, sloth and there were three others there were seven deadly sins but you know what, what is not amongst them the word hate is not amongst them because hate is a child of envy if you look up what envy is we, we envy everything we as human beings we as individuals we live through envious eyes you see your friend or, or a person in the neighborhood or a person you work with they're thinner than you, you hate them. They're prettier than you, you dislike them. They make more money than you, you despise them. But what is the real truth? The truth is you envy them because they have something you don't. But then again, by the same token, you may be envied by that very same person. You know, I think that's the per- that's the reason we get so angry at, at some people, which is why when as I look back at my time as a comic... So many other comics hated so so many comics simply because maybe they were they thought they were better than they were, you know. So it's real easy to lose control and let envy run your life. And then envy also has another child that is called jealousy. Uh, jealousy and hate sometimes go hand in hand. One one produces the other, and vice versa. Uh, if we go back to the old biblical times, the two brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain was envious of his brother because his brother had found favor with God. And uh, Cain did not, simply because the way Cain saw it, I work, I toil in the fields, I feed my family, I do this, I sacrifice, I tribute to God, and yet you still favor my brother. So one day, Cain went into the fields and slew his brother Abel. And when God went looking for Abel, he went to Cain and said, where is, where is thy brother? And Cain was like, I don't know, Lord, I don't know where he is. And Cain's hands are covered with the blood of his dead brother. Beat him with the jawbone of an ass and killed him. So when God finally called Abel or called Cain out at the death of his brother, 
he smote, he smited Cain. He put a scar on his face, which he would carry for the rest of his life. But here's the thing: when we when we, we don't really we overlook this. I, I don't know why we overlook it, but in in reality, we are all the children of Cain. Yes, we are. We came from Adam, but Adam begat Cain and Abel. And Cain is the father of many of us, simply because we still carry those seven deadly sins. And, you know, I, I see all this on TV. I watch, I listen to when the Black Lives Matter people talk, although I, it goes in one and out the other because I know they're devout Marxists. They want to bring on a political revolution. It's not, it has nothing to do with black people living in, in this country because if that was the case, they would have taken the $100 million they got from, from, uh, from Nike and from Sony and they would have shared it amongst all black people all across the country to help pull them out of poverty. But guess what? It's not going to pull them out of poverty because they're going to do what poor people always do when they get a hold of a large amount of money. They're going to spend it because they're going to buy this and that and the things they don't need instead of taking care of things that they should be paying for. It doesn't make them bad people. It makes them normal people because I, I, I understand if you gave me 10 grand, I'm blowing it. Yeah, I'm going to try to save some of it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a good majority of it on stuff that I, I want. Why? Because we're envious people. Well, why, why should he drive a Cadillac if I can't? So I'm going to buy me a Cadillac. I envy what he's got. I want to covet what he has. You see... This goes back a long, long ways. We've always been like this. And I'm pretty sure if you watch nature shows like I do, when they, when, when they show the chimps in the jungle, the chimps are no different. The chimps are envious of one another. And they form little bands, little cliques of, 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 uh, of friends, of associates, of allies. And when the time comes and the crap hits the fan, well... They expect those people, those allies, to rally around them when they go to war. And when they go to war, they, it's violent. These are our traits, you know, whether they were God-given or not. They, these are traits that we have in our, in our systems. And this is the fear, you know, when you hear uh, Joe Biden say that we're going to live in racial harmony. I don't think so, you know, because. Uh, it's always going to be there. You're always going to be wary of the person who's better looking, who's a different color, you know, who, uh, you know, if he's Asian, well, he's he's probably probably makes a lot of money. See, we, we have these stereotypes that, that we, we go by, you know. I mean, to this day, people still don't trust Jews. I've been to Israel. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with anybody until you cross the line and you start acting like a jerk. Because you think I owe you something, but I don't. I owe you nothing. But if you want to believe that, well, by all means, you you go, you be my guest. Because I don't have time for that. So we are. When they say that racism is is going to be going out of style, I I don't think so. You know, I would love for everybody to just accept who each other are, for whatever we are. Whether it be gay, straight, bi, black, white, red, yellow, green, it shouldn't really matter. If you want to see an interesting speech, watch the very closing remarks by Charlie Chaplin in The Little Dictator. It is a very beautiful and compelling speech. And maybe one day we'll get there. 
Like when Michael Corleone told the Godfather, we'll get there, Pop. We'll get there. I do the same thing. I tell my girlfriend, I say, we're going to get there one day. We will, because we have the desire. So, I guess that's that's the thing. We're, we're never... This is hardwired into us. Now, you can say you're not racist, and, I, and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but we all are racist to a certain extent. There is somebody, for some reason, you just dislike. It's like many people I run across. They say, oh, I just hate Trump. I hate that guy. And I'll ask them why, and they can't give me an answer. You know, did he wrong you at some point personally? Did you go into a, a real estate deal where you got burned? What did he do to you that you hate him so much? You know, uh, I, on the other hand, I've said this many times, I dislike Barack Obama. I don't hate him. You know, and the God's on the shoes is when he got elected, I didn't vote for him, but when he got elected, um, I was watching an interview with Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller didn't want him in, in office either, but he said, this is what Dennis Miller said, more or less, that the cat is in office now, so you got to give him his, his dues, give him, give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what he's going to do. So I said, okay, Dennis, I agree. And that's what I did. I gave Barack Obama the benefit of the doubt. And then he slams me with, uh, with uh, you got to buy health insurance. I wasn't ready to do that. I wasn't making the money that I should have to afford health insurance, even though they said it's not going to cost you a cent. But still, you forced me to do something I didn't want to do. That's not the job of a president. You know, I understand that you wanted to form uh, uh, affordable health care. You should have done that, worked out all the bugs, and then said, hey, I'm offering this. If you want to come in, fine. If you don't, I'm not going to worry about it. No, you forced millions of Americans to take the health insurance, to, to get force them out of their, their regular insurances and take this one. That's what I dislike about him the most. I mean, I'm, he's probably a, an intelligent man, a very probably a good good father and a good man. No different than Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden's probably a great guy. I just don't think he should be president. He's got too many people pushing his buttons from, from behind the curtain. When in The Wizard of Oz, they said, don't pay, pay attention to the man behind the curtain. But you need to because those people are like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elon Omar and Bernie Sanders. These are the people pushing the buttons and, and pulling on the wires, pulling the strings. Wow, there was another Godfather reference, huh? Pulling the strings, the puppet master. So, you know what? If you don't like Trump, that's your business. I don't care. I do. And I think he's going he's gonna to get this country through the next four years. Now, we know now that Antifa is a real thing. And I hope somebody tells Jerry Nadler that it's no longer a myth. Because one of those guys was killed by the U.S. Marshals after they tried to serve him a murder warrant. And he did an interview where he said he is Antifa through and through, and they are here, and they are here to stay. We need to track down Antifa, cut off the head of the snake, and the body dies. And then all these riots, and these peaceful, I don't have a problem with peaceful, peaceful protest. It's your guaranteed right by the Constitution. But when somebody decides, hey, go break that glass, or let's burn this this car, or let's let's uh, firebomb this, this police station, that's when you're getting into, in, into very difficult waters. Because I just want to protest. I just want my voice to be heard that, you know, this was wrong and blah, blah, blah. But when these guys get involved and they have no interest other than watching the world burn because somebody's paying them to help the world burn. 
you need to walk. That's when you need to walk away. Don't pick up that Molotov cocktail and throw it for some fool. Walk away. You can protest somewhere else another day. It doesn't have to be this way. But we get so politicized. Oh, I'm Trump. I'm Biden. You know, it's ridiculous. And let me just say this on the record. Not that it matters. But Trump is not the fault for everything that's going on. You guys need to get off that horse and accept the fact that sometimes crap happens. And, you know, if the water heater in your house burst, is it Trump's fault? No, it's probably your fault for not replacing the damn thing when you should have two years ago. This is what happens. This is how it goes from one, from step one to step 1,000. We don't see the stuff in in the middle because it it's very relevant. So, hate a child of envy, and maybe jealousy too. Uh, if you don't believe me, look at the ask. Go go to your Syria. Go to Alexa and ask them what are the seven deadly sins. You'll hear that hate is not one of them. You know. So, can we change? Of course, of course, we can change. It's going to take a long time because we have to start teaching with the children not to see to see past color and like, like uh, Martin Luther King said, to judge somebody not by the color of their skin but the content of their character. That's what's important. Because I know a lot of people, as uh, Garth Brooks says, I've got high friends in low places, but that doesn't mean they're dregs. Some of these people are very intelligent. They're good friends of mine because they are highly intelligent. And they see the world the way it is. Even though they do what they do, and they kind of feed some of the bad stuff that goes on, but they're doing what they got to do to survive. You know, Jay-Z is a, is a multi-million dollar rapper, but at one time he sold drugs behind a McDonald's in, in New York. So... From austere beginnings come greatness. I guess that's uh, par for the course. So, yeah, you hear a TV in the background. I didn't. I forgot to turn it off or turn the sound off to mute it. But uh, you get the gist of what I'm saying. We've got a long road ahead of us, trying to convert, trying to beat the hate out of us, the envy out of us. And it, it may go someday, but I think it's going to be around for quite a while. We just have to learn to see it when we start envying other people for whatever reason. And don't, don't, don't think you don't do it, you do do it. Don't think you're better than that because you're human. I know you are. If priests get caught for molesting boys and children and politicians get caught for the same thing, it's a do as I say, not as I do attitude, and that's what that's that's the root cause that we got to go after. Just because you achieved a certain position doesn't give you the authority over other people to beat them down further, you know. So that's the gist. Just try to be better people. Try to love one another a little bit more, and <laughs> I guess I could say get some rest, wash your hands, wear your masks. We'll get past this. And maybe if the vaccine is coming, get the damn vaccine. And who knows, maybe it'd be like World War Z. We'll all turn into zombies after 30 days of the, of the, of the vaccine. And then it really won't matter. 
No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think we'll be fine. Because I know you got your share of problems, trials and tribulations. And the COVID and the elections and the rioting and the unrest doesn't make it any better. People are starting to just lose their crap. People are on edge everywhere. I see it on my Facebook when people are posting. They're angry. They're upset. <clears throat> as we used to say, or as we still say, no es por tanto. It's not for all that. So don't worry about it. You go to work. If you have work, you do what you do. Put food on your table. Take care of your kids. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Social distancing. Don't get too close to people. Groups of less than 10 for any kind of family gathering. And you should be fine. You just got to believe. And you know what? A good word to God doesn't hurt. Now, if you don't believe in God, well, you might want to pick one and, and get in line. So, it, no, it never hurts. All right. Well, I ran a little bit too long because I rambled. And I do that from time to time. But stick around. I got more to come. You are listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben-Hur. Stick around. We're coming right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben-Hur. Thanks for sticking around. We've got more stuff. Well, tonight is Sunday, September the 6th, and it just happened to be the night for episode 17 The Great Cuticle Caper. Yes. I had the opportunity to stay with my girlfriend this weekend, which is something we've been looking forward to for a long time. I had a chance to unwind with her, get uh, the past several months out of my system, and uh, we got to spend time together, which was fantastic. And then it happened. My girlfriend has a habit. And I can't say that I have that same habit. You know, so a lot of people do. A lot of you do this too. You cut your nails, and there's a little piece of a hangnail that 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 still didn't cut off. So you, what do you do? You put it in your mouth, and you try to file it down. Well, it pull, it bends off. It peels off the nail. So what do you do? You you start using your teeth as fingernail clippers, and so it pulls off, and you pull it, but you don't pull it off clean. You know what I mean. So she pulled it off partway, and it swelled up, and pus filled the, the swell, and it got infected. So she had told me that her finger had been bothering her since, like, I think Thursday or Friday. And I was getting to the point where it was very swollen, it was very red, and very hard. So I said, okay, we got to fix this. So I said, go to the sink and run your hand under the warm water. And let hopefully let the uh, the water tenderize your finger, and then we can manipulate the the finger and try to get that pus out. Of it. I said once you get the pus out, the swelling will go down. You'll feel much better, and we can dress the wound, put something on it to kill the rest of the infection, and bandage you up and send you on your way. So she ran her hand under the hot on the water. It was warm water, so what well, she could stand. So she's running it, and she's in a lot of pain, mind you, and. Uh, Everybody responds to pain differently. I mean, when I've had that, I, I force the, the, the skin and the cuticle or the nail apart, and I squeeze so that pus comes out, and it hurts. And I bite my tongue, 
I, I, you know, I bite my lip and I just take the pain until it's all gone, until the pain stops. Some people are that are a little bit more sensitive to the pain in their fingers. The fingers are pretty sensitive uh, appendages. So I said, okay, now I'm gonna. I said, I told her this is exactly what I'm gonna do, so you don't freak out. I'm gonna wash my hands, and then with the soapy water, I'm gonna rub your hands gently together. You're, I'm gonna roll your fingers back and forth, and then. I'm going to gently wrap my fingers around the offending, and the offending digit happened to be the bad finger, you know, the middle finger, so that's what made it much, much worse. So I'm gently massaging the finger, and I'm slowly working my fingers toward the tip. And as I do so, I start to squeeze a little bit, and she's starting to whine. And I was like, it's, I'm sorry, babe, you know, but this is, this is going to hurt. So I said, okay, wait, wait, wait. So I said, I grabbed a, a, an oven mitt. I said, bite down on this. So she was a trooper. She bit down on it. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it very quickly. So you're going to feel a quick jolt of pain and then it's going to subside. So I worked my fingers back up to the, the first knuckle. And she's starting to whine again. I said, so I know I'm on the right spot. And then with a quick jerk, I push my fingers, her finger through mine. And sure enough, some of the uh, pus started to come out. Not much, but a little bit, and it's better than nothing. So I did it three more times to get as much out as I could. So I said, just run your hand under the water again, and then we'll, we'll try it again. So we did that, and as I'm feeling her finger, it wasn't as tight as it used to be, so we did relieve some of the pressure that was had built up in her finger. So we, we repeated this two or three more times. And then it felt better to her, so we we dressed it a little bit. Um, she just moved, so she doesn't have a whole lot of uh, medical supplies on hand. So we dress it, and we go back to watching our movie. And I, I had her uh, swallow a couple of Tylenols just to help take the edge off the pain. So she swallows the Tylenol, and we're watching, and we were watching the... Family, what was it called? The Family with De Niro. Good movie. So as we're watching, she's like, oh, my finger's really hurting now and it's really throbbing. I was like, okay, that, that, that was a possibility. So it got to the point where she couldn't take the pain anymore. And it's almost five o'clock. So she goes, I'm going to go to the med clinic. I said, okay, it's your call. So she calls them. They have an appointment if they can see her at 5.30. So... We get we we change our clothes and we get we haul ass to the the med clinic on Hildebrand and uh, Fredericksburg Road. So she goes in, they take a look at her, and the doctor saw what we had tried to, to fix it, and he was like, "It seems you've gotten much of the pus out, and it's still oozing out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a, a a cream on your finger to numb the pain." And I'm not going to slice it open because it's, it looks like it's coming out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to give you a script for some antibiotics. And um, go and get some, uh, go and pick up your script. And, and you need to get some uh, medical supplies to dress the wound. Gauze, tape, uh, some Neosporin. Because they prescribed her a cream also, a topical cream that was uh, an antiseptic. So we buy Epsom salt because they needed her to soak the finger. And uh, we proceed to go to Walgreens. 
that's where they call the script in. So we're getting the supplies, and we're, we're going to get the tape and all that. We're coming up up the aisle, and she's like, oh, God, Rue. And I'm like, what's the matter, hon? She goes, the pharmacy's closed. I'm like, damn. She goes, I'm not going to get this until Tuesday. And I was like, okay. So she called the med clinic back, and they called a 24-hour Walgreens, which was on Walsham, across from, med, uh, from, uh, from University Hospital. So now... We're, we got our supplies, we're in the car, now we're going all the way to Walsham. So we go to Walsham, and uh, we had to wait because they had just called it in. So we're sitting there, and we're just chatting. Then this homeless, and you could you could just tell he was homeless, just just from the, because we, we had seen him earlier outside trying to hustle people for money. So he comes in and starts talking to us. Now, he was a very articulate man, and then he started sending th- saying things in his story that gave me cues that he was homeless because he then he mentioned the, the fact that he was trying to sleep in a ditch and the guy that owns that ditch came by and beat him up and that's why he was here to get pain pills for his knee because the guy beat him pretty bad so we were talking about that then uh, he mentioned something to me that uh, struck a chord so I just blurted out I said hey are you a vet he goes yeah I said, was your injury combat related? Because he, he, had, he had other problems. And I, I wouldn't doubt PTSD was one of them. So he starts telling that he was he was in the service, but he had no service-related injuries. This was the, a thing where he got rolled. And actually, the question that started it all was I asked him, because he, he said he had been assaulted. So I just said, hey, I'm curious. Was the assault at a bar? Or was somebody, hey, give me your wallet and then, and then beat you up? He goes, no, he was, that's when he said he was trying to sleep in a ditch and somebody had already claimed the ditch as their own and rolled him for it. So I said, well, you know, so we got in a conversation about that. And um, so he told us that he was staying at a friend's house. He was actually sleeping on, in the front yard with his sleeping bag. He had a bag with him that he had hot dogs, buns, and some A&W root beer. So he had a meal and he was gonna, they were going to let him stay in the garage and he was going to cook in the garage. I don't know if he was going to start a fire or if they had a hot plate, but he was going to boil weenies and eat hot dogs. So they had his script ready, and he they, he got his stuff, and then he left. And then about five, ten minutes later, they called us. So they had her antibiotics ready. The guy said, the doctor had told her to take them as soon as she got home. So we got them. We bought a bottle of water and a 7-Up or a Sprite. And... Um, we bought her some probiotics because obviously, you know, if you know anything about antibiotics, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to kill every good bacteria you've got in your gut. So the doctor also said, start eating probiotics to, to replace what you're going to lose, and that way you, the, the the antibiotic won't be so severe. So we got back home, and uh, she downed the, the probiotic, and she downed the antibiotic. And I went and fixed a bowl of Epsom salts and warm water. And I had her soak her hand for 20 minutes. And as she's soaking her hand, the Epsom salt is doing its job. It's starting to relieve the pressure and it's starting to get more more pus to come out. So after we got that, I had her wash her hands. I washed out the bowl down the sink. She washed her hands, cleaned them, and then I dressed her wound. I put the anti the, the uh, antiseptic by uh, ointment on, and then I wrapped it with gauze and taped it up. And then I gave her instructions. Now, when you I said when you get home, soak it again, and uh, 20 minutes, 
wash your hands and then gently put the, get a q-tip and put some of that that antiseptic solution or that cream on and then just use the band-aid because it's going to be too hard for one person to put gauze on it, it always is you need to gauze is a two-person job and if you can do gauze a gauze patch with one hand then you have impressed the hell, of, hell out of me so anyway, hopefully she went home and she's doing that right now. And I so I told her I said I put all the dishes from supper in this in the thing. I scraped them off and I put them in the trash and then I went and dumped the trash for her. And uh, I said now when you come home, the chicken that we had that's left over, put it in the fridge and then put the dish in the sink and and let the let it soak. Don't do any dishes until tomorrow. And if you do, you're gonna to have to wear. I would recommend you wear gloves. Do you have gloves? She goes, No, I gotta go. But she's gotta to go to Walmart tomorrow in the morning, so she's gonna buy gloves and all that. So yeah, but just make sure you try to keep your hands as dry as you can. And then you know, every 12 hours, take the anti antibiotics and soak your hand, wash your hand, dress your hand. And then I said by tomorrow, most of the pus will be out. You won't feel very much pain, and. Um, It'll start, it's going to start healing and you're going to feel much, much better. And then just do what the doctor says. After about three days, stop taking the antibiotic, keep taking the probiotic, and you should be good to go. And then in the future, stop chewing on your cuticles. But you know what? I do it too. I've been, I've been down that routine before, and I just pull that thing apart and get the pus out and just relieve myself right there and then. So, that was the adventure. That was the great cuticle caper. It's episode 17. And then there's episode 18, which is the great telephone pole fire uh, episode. So we'll cover that at another time. But we had a little adventure, which was fun. And uh, I had a very good weekend. Probably the best weekend I've had in a long time. I de-stressed. I really, really did. And I found out also that I still have I still have problems sleeping in strange places. I never used to, but I guess it's a function of my PTSD. I guess, and uh, that's that for this episode or this segment. You are listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. This is your host Ben Hur. <laughs> I almost forgot who the hell I was for a minute. I was gonna I was gonna say my other old name when I was on the radio, but that's another story in itself. So, episode 17, the great cuticle caper. Thanks, love. You'll you'll be fine. I guarantee you. Just take care of yourself, and uh, we'll do it again. We'll see what the next adventure is gonna be. Who knows? Maybe it'll be my turn to go to the med clinic. I don't know. Let's hope not. So, stick around. Thank you for listening, and we'll be right back with more stuff. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Well, today is now Tuesday, September the 8th. And uh, my last segment was called Episode 17, the case of the, 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 big, the great cuticle caper. And when I thought it had ended, it did not. It split up into a second part, which I call the Maltese finger. So, my girl, Laura, had an issue at the... We had to go to the emergency, uh, one of those emergency clinics, because her middle finger on her right hand was swollen up. Uh, she had uh, 
an ingrown nail or cuticle and it really swelled her finger up and I mentioned to you that I tried to leave it but it kept getting bigger and bigger so we took her to the emergency clinic uh, I forget what they, they all go by so many different names Texas Med Clinic post-up post-op whatever so anyway we went to one and the doctor saw her decided not to slice it but yet gave her antibiotics and told her to soak the hand so that's what we did and uh, I came home on Sunday and she stayed home tending to her hand when she woke up the next morning the hand was still very very swollen and very very painful so she suffered through all that on Monday and on Tuesday decided not to go to work now my girl works for a group of doctors who are all orthopedic surgeons hand and knee foot uh, doctors back well there's a doctor that is a hand specialist a hand surgeon so she went to go see her on Tuesday and since she's an employee she got head of the line privileges so the doctor saw her and said that's bad so they had to numb her her finger uh, they had to put her five injections of uh, whatever it is they number with it's probably not Novocaine it's probably something else I, I know the name but it's not coming to my head right now so they numb the, the, the hand or the finger and then they slice it open and pus just comes out pus of various colors white, yellowish, reddish uh, just oozes out from the wound that was that swollen uh, meanwhile I love her to death, but she's not pain-friendly. So she was making a lot of noise, especially when they put the injections in her hand. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a tough guy, but, you know, I, I'm used to needles. Needles, I've had needles everywhere in my body. So anyway, they're oozing, they're draining out this pus. And I guess they find the offending cuticle and remove it. And irrigate the wound, clean her out. Once all the pus was gone, they sterilized the, the wound, wrapped it in a bandage, and I posted the picture on my Facebook. Her finger looks like a corn dog, like like somebody put a corn dog in the middle of her hand. So that's what her finger her hand looks like. So now the doctor told her to wait twenty four hours to take off that wrap because the last time, when I, the last time I talked to her, which is about eight o'clock, her hand was still numb from all the the shots they gave her. So I'm pretty sure that's a good thing for her that she doesn't feel any any pain right now. So uh, the doctor wants to see her again. I, I actually, I think they're going to see her on on Thursday or tomorrow. She's going to go to work. They're going to take the old dressing off, clean the wound, and put a new dressing on it. And then the doctor's going to want to see her again on Friday morning. And I think it's just to make sure that the, that the finger is healing and that the infection is gone and she can move on with her life. So now I'm going to share a little wisdom with you because I didn't know this either. This is from the hand doctor. Well, first and foremost, the hand doctor had a question for, for my girl, which was, what was the doctor thinking at that med clinic? He was a putz. 
he should have sliced the finger open. He should not have have the, the topical solution that he gave her was merely an antiseptic. That's all. So she said, "This this discard that tube or save it or whatever you want to do." But it wasn't going to do anything for you. Number two, the fact that he told you to buy Epsom salt and soak your hand wasn't going to do a damn thing for you. They're all idiots at, at that clinic, she said. Mind you, she knows the doctor that, that took care of my girl. So, now I learned something in the process. This is what the doctor told my girl. That when you cut your, your nails, uh, clean the clippers with alcohol and then proceed to clip your nails. Uh, when you're done clipping your nails, you take the same clippers, whether they're finger or toenail clippers, clean them again with alcohol, let the alcohol dry, then wrap the clippers in a paper towel and put the clippers in a plastic sandwich bag and store them as you would anything else so that way you know where they are and that when you clean them again, you know that they're sterile and you're going to sterilize them again. How many of you actually do that? I don't. You know, I, I'll get the clippers and I'll just go to town. And I, I, I'm a guy that really has to watch out how he clips his nails. My podiatrist does not like me clipping my own toenails, so I don't tell her that I do because that's a good way to get an infection if I don't cut them properly and uh, end up losing a toe or a foot or a leg. So that's how easy it happens for a diabetic. So... That's a little a little thing to do. So then I asked her, I said, so do you, are you going to be chewing on your nails ever again? She said, hell no. And that's a good idea. We should not be, We I'm, I'm a nail biter from way back since I was a kid. I still do it. And whenever I have a little loose nail after I've clipped my nails, I get, get my teeth on it and I yank it out. Sometimes it bleeds. Sometimes it gets infected. But see, I'm not a stranger to pain. I will, I will manipulate that thing until the pus comes out and it go, and the pain goes away. But sometimes it doesn't, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. In the case of, of Laura and her hand, so you learned a little something today. Take care of your digits and your toes. Uh, be careful when you cut and uh, make sure you sterilize the instrument before and after a nail clipping. Oh, and just an uh, old wives' tale. When you, take your, when you cut your nails, do not just let them fly wherever they fly. Collect your nails and dispose of them properly. In the old country, in, in Italy, in Mexico, people collect their, their nail clippings and they burn them in a fire. Why? Because if you're worth your salt in any kind of superstition, you know that fingernails and toenails and hair make the perfect conduit for conjuring up evil spells and, and bad luck on people. You get a hold of their fingernail clippings, you can do a whole lot of damage to that person if you know what it is you're doing. Ask your grandmother. Talk about que es la brujería. Brujería is witchcraft. And your grandmother will tell you, oh, yeah, con los uñas, you can do a whole lot of damage to a person. The hair is just, that's why you, you never leave your hair clippings anywhere. So if you go over to your girlfriend's house and she cuts your hair, you sweep up your own hair and you dispose of it. Because, yeah, people go and do some voodoo on you. 
brujeria. Yeah, it's still around. So, what did we learn? Don't put your fingers in your mouth. My mom used to rub jalapenos on my fingers just to discourage me from the habit of biting my nails. Because, I mean, I would bite them short. Sometimes at the point of bleeding, but I was like 14, 15, so I was young and it didn't matter. But she always, I was constantly with my fingers in my mouth. So my mom would pour, would put chili or dip my fingers in chili. So I'd be, I'd put my fingers in my mouth and I'd get a whole nasty taste of chili. My mouth would burn. It worked for a little while, but then I went back to it. I don't really do that so much anymore. It's just like when I clip my nails, I'll have the little one that hangs off and I'll, you know, I'll bite it, yank it off. But, you know, it has happened to me too. I've, I've gotten one that grew back and uh, grew in backwards and I got an infection and I had to dig it out with a you know, nail file and it hurt like an SOB. Yeah, you know what that means. It hurt. If you ever had that happen to you, you know what I'm talking about. And then once you get all that, squeeze all that pus out and you disinfect it with alcohol, oh, you feel much, much better. So these are just little life hacks. So in the future, disinfect your nail clippers before and after each use. You'll probably thank me in the long run for it. And uh, it's just that simple to to keep your, I mean, if you stop and think about it, when you go to a barber shop, the comb, the scissors are in that green, sweet-smelling uh, solution because they're being disinfected. So they could, because you know you're going to be using it from person to person to person. So there. So that is the story of the Maltese finger. My girl is okay. Her finger is going to heal, and we're going to be back on top. So you've been listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. This is your host, Ben Hur. We got more coming up, so stick around. This has been a very interesting week so far. So, let's see what else happens tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. And we are coming up on the anniversary of 9-11 on Friday. It will be 19 years, the day that two airplanes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City. One went down in the Pentagon, and one ended up in a field in Pennsylvania, that was bound for the capital. So we'll delve into that also. I mean, that's all over the History Channel right now. So stick around. We'll be back with more stuff. Thank you for listening. Oh, and thanks very much once again. And I haven't done this in a while. To Anchor Radio for putting my podcast out there. And thank all of you for listening. When you do listen, drop me something in my comments. Or if you if you know me on Facebook, drop me a, hey, you know, it was a great show. I love listening, blah, blah, blah. Let me know what you think. I do this for you and myself to a certain extent. But it's all for you, folks. Thank you. I love each and every one of you. And stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And welcome. And thank you for sticking around. This is probably going to be the last segment of this episode. And it's also going to be the episode that concludes the 
the great cuticle caper and the Maltese finger. This episode is going to be called Jason Walks. So, as I told you before, um, Laura and I were on this quest to get all her medications that she needed for her fickle finger of fate that was infected and swollen. Uh, we had just come from the med clinic where they had supposedly fixed her up. So all we had to do was just wait for the healing to start. So as we made our way to the second pharmacy, to the 24-hour Walgreens across from University Hospital, uh, as we're in the parking lot getting getting ready to go in, I heard a man's voice asking for 50 cents, a dollar fifty, something like that. Basically trying to hustle some money. I tuned him out because my focus was trying to get in the, into the pharmacy and get what we needed to get. So we went in. And, of course, it's the pharmacy right across from University Hospital, so it's always busy. And it's a 24-hour pharmacy, so we're, there's already people ahead of us in line. So we get in line and wait our turn. Uh, Laura goes up and tells them that they just called a prescription for her and, and all that from the from the, the med clinic. And they say it's going to be about 30 minutes, so we sit down. And we're just chatting, me and her. Uh, then this person walks in, a very tall, thin man, wearing black bike shorts, uh, and like a bike top, white. He looked very out of place. He was clutching a white canvas bag, clutching it close to him, so I knew it had some value. He sits across from us and just blurts out, you look like a happy couple. What are you doing? What brings you out here on this this Sunday? So Laura proceeds to tell him what has happened, what's transpired up to the point that we got there at the pharmacy. And Laura asked him how he was doing. And he goes, oh, I'm doing great. This has been a great day for me. And he just went on and on at how very positive, very, very upbeat for for him and it makes me think it makes me want to ask questions so when my turn came to talk I asked him so if you're having such a great day what brings you to a pharmacy on a Sunday afternoon and he kind of looks down at his bag clutches it and starts to tell me that about an assault and in the process of the assault, he injured his knee, and he was here getting medication for it, some painkillers or something. Okay, fair enough. So now, my inquisitive side comes out again, and I said, if you don't mind my asking, you said an assault. Was it a bar fight, or was it a, hey, give me your wallet, or I'll, or I'll shoot you? And then the truth came out. He said, no. He was actually trying to sleep in a ditch not far from here, and it turns out some other homeless guy had already claimed that ditch as his own. He was the king of the ditch, and Jason was trespassing, that was his name, Jason, and so it was time for Jason to walk, but Jason had to pay a price for, uh, for sleeping in his ditch without permission, which resulted in a beating of Jason. He said the guy just jumped down and just started wailing on him, kicking him in the head and the knee, and I guess his knee got the, the brunt of it. So he ended up at the hospital. 
and as I'm as he's talking, I'm listening to certain words that he says, and uh, he talks about being in the hospital, and then he mentions that he's being, he's a veteran. That perks me right up because I'm a veteran. So I continue my probe. I continue to ask questions. I'm like, uh, so you're you're a vet? He goes, yeah. But my injuries were not combat related, so I can't go to the VA for them. And then he proceeds to tell tell us that he's homeless. And that, you know, he sleeps in ditches, he sleeps in parks, wherever he can. But currently he was staying at a friend's house that was gonna they were gonna let him sleep on the front yard or let him stay in the garage. And he was so happy because in his bag he had hot dog buns, hot dogs, and some A&W root beer. He was going to go back to the garage and boil wieners and have hot dogs for dinner. And he was going to crawl into a sleeping bag and then sleep on the front porch or the yard. One of the two, I forget. So he's talking to us, and uh, I respond to tell him that, you know, you seem like a good guy. And I think, I said, look, uh, trying to, he, he knows who the guy is that, that beat him. I mean, he's, he's, he says he's, he's, uh, the kingpin in that area. And, you know, he, this isn't the first guy he's rolled. And I guess this is the way their society works. But I told him, I says, look, you seem like a decent fella. And don't worry, karma's going to take care of this guy. I said, because in my life, I've come to the conclusion that you're always going to run into somebody bigger and better than you are. And for him, it's just a matter of time. So he kind of agreed, and uh, we started talking about, oddly enough, we started talking about religious beliefs and, and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And so they called him for his prescription was ready. So I'd already been formulating this idea in my head. And then Laura told me he was the guy that was out front trying to get a dollar fifty for bus fare or whatever. And to be perfectly honest, I have no idea how much it costs to ride a bus in San Antonio nowadays. When I was a kid, it was a dime, and then it jumped up to a quarter. Now I'm probably figuring it's probably seventy-five cents and maybe fifty cents for transfers, which is why he needed a dollar fifty. So he goes to collect his prescription. So Laura and I are talking amongst ourselves. And then he says, excuse me, I really hate to do this, but uh, I don't have enough to cover my prescription. Do you have 84 cents? I look up at him, and I already, I already reached into my wallet, and I pulled out a $5 bill. And I said, Jason, sometimes karma rewards those who are good. Here's your 84 cents, and keep the change. And maybe since you got hot dogs for supper, go and get yourself something for dessert on the way home. He was so elated that I did that for him. Now, I don't know if he was scamming us or what, but he seemed to me, he seemed like a decent person. And then he took the $5 bill, got his prescription, paid the 84 difference, 84 cent difference, and bid his farewells and uh, thanked me again, me and Laura, and uh, then left. And Laura looked at me and said, you're a good man. I said, well, I try. I said, I've, I've been ripped off before, but he seemed fairly decent, fairly innocent, and uh, he's a vet, and I wanted to help him. And I said, because 
that could be me. She says, how? How could that be you? I said, well, if things had turned out differently in my life, I could be that vet, that homeless vet on the street, clutching a bag full of hot dogs and, and buns and, and root beer, waiting, looking for a place to sleep. So, I mean, that could have been me easy, but fortunately I had good people in my life, my parents, my family, and Laura. So... Jason went about his business, and, you know, he's out there somewhere on the street. Uh, maybe he's eaten, I don't know. But he, he did say that in the morning he was going to Haven for Hope because that's the safest place for him. And uh, I don't think he was too uh, off the nut where, you know, he seemed rational. He seemed to know where he was, who he was, and what he was doing, so... You know, he didn't see colors or talk to the air or anything like that, which was, you know, good, good, good for me. But um, they're out there, homeless vets, and just good homeless people in general that, that just luck didn't find favor for them, and they ended up on the street for whatever reason. So, you know, and I told Laura, I said, well, I don't know, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you just got to help people. And then I started telling the story about the, the other two times in my life uh, where I was at a convenience store and it was early in the morning and I was walking in and this kid asked me, he goes, hey, can you give me $2? And I said, uh, I, I didn't, all I had was a 20. So I said, you know what, stay here, don't move and I'll come back and I'll get you your $2. So I went in, made my purchase and came out with change of the 20. So I gave him, I, I had $2 in my hand and I said, hey kid, I said, I got $2 for you. I said, but I need to know one thing. Are you going to go buy drugs? He goes, no, sir, I'm going to go buy something to eat. I haven't eaten in two days. I said, okay. He goes, yeah, there's a McDonald's just up the street. I'm going to go there and buy something to eat. I said, okay, here's the $2. So you go get you something to eat, and uh, good luck to you. So I turned around, and I'm walking back down the wall of the convenience store, and I'm going to turn the corner to go to my car. As I turned the corner, I looked down where the kid was. He was sitting on the sidewalk, and he was gone. I said, okay, this kid must really be hungry, and he took off. Because I, I didn't see him anywhere. I mean, I should have seen him. I didn't think anything of it, and I went home. I went about my business. Now let's go back in time to, like, 19... Oh, my gosh. 85, 86 when I was working for a um, sporting goods distributor and I was making the delivery at Cleo's gun shop on Military Drive uh, close to 35 so I, I pulled into uh, Cleo's and uh, there was a slot open in front of his store so I pulled in there got the stuff off the van wheeled it into the into the gun store made small talk with Cleo he was always a pretty good guy and uh, he wrote me a check for the goods I put the check in my folder with my invoices and uh, bid him farewell and I'm putting everything back in the van I'm sitting in the van I got the engine running and this young man in a long black uh, trench coat with a black hat on like a little fedora but he had long blonde blondish brown hair and a blondish brown beard and the biggest blue eyes and all he asked me was if I had change to spare 
And I said, my friend, you're in luck. I just happened, I, the pants I put on that day were just, the pocket was just full of change. And it was dragging me down. So I stuck my hand in my pocket and I fished out all the change in my hand. And he held out both of his hands and I put the change in both of his hands. And he said, bless you, sir. And I said, well, go do something good with it, man. So I turn and I look, I'm getting ready to back out. So I look down the side mirror to make sure I don't hit him. He's gone. I look in the rear view. I look in the other side mirror. He's nowhere to be seen. So I pull the van out of the parking space and I'm looking back and forth trying to see if I can see this guy. Nobody. So I get back on the street, go about my business. Uh, it's just these, these kinds of things. And I'm pretty sure they probably happen to some of you. Where somebody asks you for money, you give them something, they're gone. Like, was this a test? Was that actually a homeless person or was that an angel testing you? I don't know. What do you think? So anyway, that's the closing story of this uh, this odyssey. And just a follow-up, Laura's finger continued to be infected. She had to go back to where she worked because she works with a hand doctor. And the doctor was forced to perform minor surgery on her hand by slitting her finger open and draining and irrigating the wound. They wrapped it up and the doctor was going to check it again. But it seems she checked it today and it's it's still infected. So they had to recut it and open it back up again to drain it and uh, irrigate it. I'm pretty sure they're going to put some antibiotics in it to get that thing healed because it's you got she's got to get healed. This is this has gone too long. It's almost been a week. So uh, Jason, if you're out there, good luck to you, my friend. And Laura, heal up, get well, feel better, babe. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm, I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for listening. Um, this is the last segment of this episode. And as always, live your life as if it's your last day on earth because it just might be. One of these days that prophecy will come true. Laugh at all around you. Especially laugh at yourself. Because if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't have any joy in your life. And love everybody in this good, beautiful world. White, black, yellow, red. Jew, Christian, Muslim. Gay, straight, bi, doesn't matter. Love them. Love yourself. And as always, I say, these are the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Signing off. Ciao, Bella.